title of today's message, uh, and, and we give message notes so that you can take notes and continue to ponder the thoughts when you go home. And so I always encourage you to, to really take the notes in Sunday mornings. But the message is when life seems random. When life seems random. Inside each and every one of us, there is this desire to make sense out of the events in our life. And for us, we all want to find meaning and purpose. Like everything's got to fit together. It needs to all join in congruency in a linear way that, man, it's making sense in my life. Why? Because inside of us, we want there to be meaning and purpose in everything that life offers us. And sometimes in life, the challenge is all the events that take place, they don't make sense. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever had some random events happen in your life and it just doesn't make sense? You're going through a tough time and you're not sure why or someone gets sick and you're not understanding why that sickness impacted a loved one. Something happens in, in your circumstances and you say, man, that just, it seems random. I, I don't understand why these things would happen. And the reason that is inside of us, we fight back on that, is because we want everything to have purpose. We want it to have meaning. In fact, many times we'll say phrases like, everything happens for a reason. Anybody ever said that phrase? Everything happens for a reason. Why would we say that? Because we want to find purpose and meaning in situations that don't make sense to us. And how many have ever said this? I don't believe in coincidences. Anybody ever said that? It's like you bump into someone you hadn't seen in a long time and so something happens and you're like, well, I don't know why that happened, but I can tell you this, I don't really believe in coincidences. And Maybe you said, I guess it was just meant to be. Anybody ever said, I guess it was just meant to be. And why, why do we say these things? We're saying them because inside of us, we're trying to process. There's, there's meaning. There's purpose. I may not know it, but there is a reason for this. We've all been faced with those situations. Sometimes they're good situations. And randomly, you're, you're unexpectedly, uh, you're surprised unexpectedly. It's a good thing. You're like, man, that's awesome. I wasn't expecting the, that, that event to happen in my life. But how many know we really realize this when bad things happen to us? In the midst of tragedy, we as people, we begin to ask the question, why? Why, why did that happen? Why did my parents divorce at the age of six? I mean, I don't understand, God. Look, I, I grew up with people, and listen, you know, their, their mom and dad stayed together their whole life. So, God, I, I don't understand why that would happen. Maybe someone in your family passed away unexpectedly, and, and the tragedy begins to sink in. You know, as a pastor, I do funerals and, and weddings, and weddings are amazing. But can I tell you, sometimes I like doing funerals because that's when people are asking tough questions. Like, God, Why? I don't understand why this happened. And, and so they, they begin to try to make sense of it all. And, and let me tell you, there are some things in life you're never going to make sense of on this side of eternity. And that's okay. But on the inside of us, understanding that, that there is this desire that, that life has meaning, that life has purpose. And, and the worst thing is when you're walking through a situation that's tough, and then you hear somebody say something like, that's just life. Anybody got that friend that says, oh, that's just life? Well, what's the purpose? There's no purpose. It's just random events. How many know you want to kill that person? 
You're like, no. And, 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 and the people that don't know God or have a relationship with God, they, 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 there's this wrestling on the inside of them. Why? Because when that statement is spoken out, if it is received by someone, what begins to happen, if life is just these random events, then we begin to lose hope. Where is the hope when there's no sense of my life? When the randomness in my life, there's just this cosmic chaos, where is the hope? But can I tell you this morning, there is hope. Can I tell you this morning that God's purposes for our lives and our city and this nation and the world, that God is always on the throne, that no matter how bad a situation is, no matter how tough it is, I mean, no, God is not surprised. God is not knocked off of his throne. He's not wondering how am I going to deal with it. God simply says, I'm looking for my people that will believe in me, that in the midst of chaos, in the midst of randomness, when life doesn't make sense, that I'm there in the midst. So we understand that God's divine story weaves through the fabric of our lives. That as Christians, we believe, God, I don't understand why these random things happen, but I know that you're right in the middle of my life. You're right in the middle of every situation. You're right in the middle of every circumstance. And though I may not can see you, I believe in you. And one of the great stories is, you look at the Christmas story, we're going to dive into Luke chapter 1 verse 26 through 37, we see God's divine story and how it weaves through the fabric of our lives and at the end of this I want to just highlight a few things that I think in this Christmas season we can walk away with. Luke chapter 1 verse 26 says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So I'm going to highlight some things through this story. Look, we understand that Elizabeth is pregnant. Now, Elizabeth is actually Mary's cousin. Now, if you read this, see, we actually have the privilege of hindsight, like, you know, we understand history, and so everything is just, it all makes sense, right? In our mind, it makes sense when we can look back and say, oh, God, you were moving there, you were moving there. And so look at this in this moment. Elizabeth is past the childbearing age. She's an older woman, not expecting kids, having always wanted kids. Now, all of a sudden, a miraculous miracle takes place. She is uh, conceived with the child. Her child now is six months in the womb, and it's a miracle, and it seems like a random miracle. How many have ever kind of seen this rant? Like, God, why would you do that? Now, looking back on it, we know that Elizabeth would actually have John, and 30 years later, John would be out in the wilderness preparing the way for his cousin Jesus to bring salvation to the world. So that miracle in hindsight makes sense, but back in that time, it didn't make sense. Why would you do that? Bless her and not someone else. Then verse 28, look at this. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. Now, let me ask you this. How many want to be highly favored? Uh, let me ask you this again. How many want to be highly favored? So, oh, pastor, woo, highly favored. I mean, the opposite is not favored, right? How many, how many don't want to be favored? No, I didn't think so. So let me ask you again. How many want to be favored? And then you're like, God, you're like highly favored. Blessings, you know, you'd say praying through this Christmas holiday. Oh, Lord, give me that parking spot. Oh, right there at the front. Lord, I'm blessed. Too blessed to be stressed. No, you're going to be stressed. 
<laughs> but you'll still be blessed. Listen, look at, so, so it says that she is highly favored. The Lord is with you. I want you to know this. You can be favored. You can be blessed and still walk through tough seasons. I think the misconception of the whole Christmas story is this. We romanticize the story. It's like, man, this is an amazing story. It's wonderful. It's awesome. Well, there are so many random things that happen, so many things that when you break it down doesn't make sense, that it's, it's, it's an awesome story, but yet in the midst of it, it is trying, it is tough, there is chaos, there is confusion, there is all kinds of things that are being worked out in the life of this teenage girl. So Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting is this and what it might be. But the angel said to her, listen, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. So I don't know about you, but an angel shows up in my room. I'm going to scream and run like a little girl. I mean, you know, think about this supernatural angel manifests itself. And, but, but I love this, that in the uncertainty of the moment, I'm not sure what's going on. You say I'm favored. I'm a little nervous. There is some certainty in the midst of this randomness. Look at the angel says in verse 31. It says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will. Everybody say will. That's not random. You're going to. It's going to happen. Conceive and give birth to a son. And you're going to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. Now here, check this out. It says his kingdom will never end. Now, I know now we, we understand that he established the kingdom of God here on this earth. But to this teenage girl, that seems very random. And what, what you got to know is there had been more than 400 years before God had overtly stepped into humanity and, and made an impact like he's doing right now, you have to understand that theologians call the time from the end of the Old Testament until this moment the 400 years of silence. And so here she's hearing the angel say his kingdom is going to be established and it will never end. Now think about this. Those 400 years of silence doesn't mean things were not happening in the world. In fact, some pretty amazing things were happening. The nation or the, the king of, kingdom of Babylon, that whole empire was being established. Now, they did some terrible things, but Babylon had done some great things. There were amazing architecture that was built. There were, there were gardens that were hanging in the sky, and, and they, they had flowing water. They had technological advances in Babylon that had never been seen before. And so the world kept ticking along, and great things were happening by the world's standards. Then we saw the Persians after the Babylonians. They came in and did some, some things, some good things, some not so good things. And then you saw this Greek guy come up, Alexander the Great, and he would come and conquer the known world. So Mary has heard of all these things, and what she was experiencing now was the Roman Empire. It would have been the Roman Republic that would later become the Roman Empire. And so she is familiar with four different kingdoms over the last 400 years where God had been silenced. And so to her, this randomness of, okay, God, I don't understand, and you say his kingdom will never end. Well, the Babylonians ended, the Persians ended, Alexander the Great's his reign ended, the Romans are here, and they thought at that time that there would be no other kingdom but Rome because they were so strong. 
the randomness of this message. And then she, what happens here is it's not just that word, but she's got other things that she's thinking about. For her, look at what happens in verse 34. How will this be? Okay, you're giving me this word. How's, how's it going to be? Look at what it says. Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin, the angel answered, Holy, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will shadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. So he's telling her, and she who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. So think about this. You know, we know that Mary, we're looking at it, that it was a divine conception that so here the Holy Spirit hovers over her and she conceives the very son of God but imagine for Mary highly favored she is now pregnant outside of wedlock have you ever thought about that I mean you know we romanticize the Christmas story but think about this teenage girl and and we don't have any record where the angel goes out and tells the family tells the city tell I mean can you imagine hey hey mom She's a teenager. I'm pregnant. Surprise. Oh, no, 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 Mom. It's a good thing. Oh, it's a good thing, huh? No, no. It's the Son of God. I mean, can you imagine as a teenage girl really? Because see, what we think is we see it in hindsight. But look at the randomness. Here she is, a teenager, just trying to live in this harsh Roman culture. And now she is not only going to have the very Son of God and give birth to the Savior that we know today would save us and the world. But now she has to walk around in guilt and shame. And people would say rumors about her. Oh, yeah, it was divine. I wonder what his name was. And thank God Joseph got the message. But think about this. It doesn't just stop with some of the accusations and the randomness of what she's facing. See, I think sometimes we feel like, God, I'm favored. I'm not going to go through stuff. God, you bless me, so there's no way people are going to talk about me. God, you put your blessings in my life, and it's all. No, no, that's when the devil will attack. That's when the battle begins. And we understand this. I'm going to hold on to your word regardless of how I feel. And so we understand the randomness of life is part of God's plan. That it really is part of God's plan. For, that, that it's not all going to make sense. And, and where we try to put everything linearly and we try to make it all connect, I'm telling you there's some things in your life that are never going to connect on this side of eternity. And that has to be okay with us. And the reason it, it happens in our life is, think about this, if it all made sense, where would you need God? The truth is, God, as, as amazing as he is, he lets these random events take place in your life. Why? Because he wants you to trust him. Oh, God, it don't make sense, but I trust you. God, I thought you said I was favored, that I would be blessed. God, I thought you said we were going to walk. I don't understand it, but God, I trust you. That there is this dependence on God. And I don't know about you. I'm thankful I can't figure God out. If I could figure him out, he'd be a little God. I don't know about you. I'm not that smart. And I love the fact that I, as a child, you just begin to say, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to rely on you. God, I'm going to believe in you even when things don't make sense. And I really learned this in my mid-20s. You know, here at the church, many times you'll hear me say, God, whatever you want to do in a church, do it in this church. 
God, whatever. What's the point of that? Listen, we got vision. We have plans. I, I believe God has given me a number of how, how this church is going to grow. And, 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 you know, we've got cities marked out. I believe we'll have campuses. And I, I believe God's going to ex- just continue to expand his kingdom here at the church. But what I've realized is this. No matter what I think, no matter what I feel, no matter what I think I know, I trust God and his will greater than me and my will. And I've learned to just say, God, whatever you want, just do it. And, and, and I'm going to move forward. But if it's not your plan, you just change it. I remember growing up, uh, we were young entrepreneurs. And in fact, 2004, uh, which would have been about 12 years ago, uh, we opened up a restaurant. And in that moment, I opened the restaurant up with my twin brother, Steve, having left. We had a real estate investment company, and I'll never forget, he moved to Houston and started leading some worship at Lakewood, and God was using him in the music, and we had started a real estate company, and I was thinking, man, you just left me. You know, on the inside, yeah, I was, come on, thanks, bro. You just left me. You went off to Lakewood, and, and, and really having these questions of God, I thought Steve and I were going to be, he was the one that was hosting today, you're like, pastor changed. That's my twin. And, and so I just thought, man, we're going to be together forever. Like, and, and there were about seven years where God separated us. Looking back on it now, the reason is because G, uh, Steve had to have a relationship with God all on his own. I had to have a relationship with God all on my own. And so I just realized that, God, it didn't make sense back then. But now look at what you've done. You brought us together to be able to do amazing things in and through this city because of you. And then we... yeah. So we had the restaurant, and I just remember we, we launched it, and it was, it was doing amazing things, and we were actually voted Reader's Choice Award for Best Service. You know, we just have always had a great way of making people feel at home. I hope that if it's your first time, you felt welcomed and right at home, and that, that's intentional. And I remember the restaurant was doing really well, and all of a sudden, through some random series of events, the restaurant was no more. We didn't have a restaurant. And it just seemed random. And have you ever had something happen that was tragic to you and you start to get bitter? And I just remember getting bitter. Like, God, how many of you ever played that guy? I didn't do nothing wrong. I mean, you know, I mean, I thought I was living this life out. And, and the restaurant was doing great. And we were touching employees in the city and all this thing. And, and all of a sudden, it's just, it's gone. It was there one day. It's gone the next. And for about the next six months, I went into a deep depression. Anybody ever went to a pity party, a deep depression? I, I, for me, man, I'm like, God, where are you? And as a man, it's not about uh, who I am. It's about what I do. We find our identity in what we do. And so I just know when I lost the restaurant, I lost my identity. That I was a young, successful entrepreneur. And, and all of a sudden, about six months later, I felt like God just spanked me and said, hey, get up. It's not about what you do. It's who you are. And he gave me these seven sentences that I was to live by in my life. I just felt like in my prayer time, he said, you are this. And I still to this day say those sentences, began to find my identity. And can I tell you this? That in the tragedy of what I saw in the moment of losing the restaurant, that is the very thing that set me on the course to be your pastor here today, right now. That it was just about a year later I went into full-time ministry for the very first time. Had I had the restaurant, would have never done it. 2008, moved to Houston, started pastoring and launched another campus of Triumph. And then in 2012, 13, had the privilege to launch this great church. Back then, I couldn't see it. Come on, give God some praise. I couldn't see it. 
There was just these random things, and I felt kind of like a victim. And what I realized was this, God, I don't have it all planned out. And God, it may not all feel good or feel like it should come from you. But I do know this, that no matter what happens, you'll work it out for your good. And I stood on the scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, and we know that in all things, God, you work for the good of those who love you and have been called according to your purpose. That God, no matter what's happening, you're going to work it out. And Lord, though I don't understand these random events, you've not left me. That you're the God of purpose. And Proverbs 16, 9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord, he determines our steps. And that's the beauty of what we do. It's like, God, I've got plans. God, I have goals. God, I feel like this is the direction you want us to go. But truthfully, this is your church. I'm your man, and I'll do whatever is in your will for my life. Go back to Mary's life. See, Mary learned this as well. And think about the craziness of what happened. So now not only is she dealing with possibly the shame that comes with accusation. If you read the story, she now rides a donkey for more than 90 miles pregnant. How many ladies think that would be a great ride? You get upset when you drive to Houston in your air conditioned and leather seats for 30 minutes. So now here you are, Miss Highly Favored, pregnant. And, and think about this story of these. So, so how many think if I'm going to birth the Son of God, he's going to give me the penthouse suite? I'm just saying, if it was me and I was Joseph, I'd be like, all right, Lord, I'm looking for that penthouse suite. The very Son of God is walking into town. It was so random. Look at what happens. They didn't even have room. Luke 2, 7, this is, this is the picture a Miss Highly Favored who traveled for four to six days on the back of a donkey in rough terrain, exhausted, pregnant, about to give birth to the Son of God. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Think about that. Think about that breaking our paradigm that sometimes our expectation doesn't meet our reality. Sometimes we expect God to do things because of what he said, and that was never his will for our life. And so in this Christmas season, it's saying, God, I don't understand it, but Lord, I trust that your perfect will is going to be done in my life. Now, I'm going to share something, too, and just something to think about. And for me as a pastor, it's, it's a little difficult. Because I don't have all the answers. And I can't say that I can explain everything. But think about this situation. Herod is angry. He's heard about a king being born. And if you've read the story, you know what Herod does. After the wise men have left, he feels angry, betrayed. He's furious and goes on a murderous rampage. And the angel, through a dream, they warn Mary and Joseph. So they flee to Egypt. But in this Christmas story, there is a massacre of all the babies two years younger. All the baby boys. Now, if you know anything about the Roman culture, here's the tragedy. Romans were very thorough because they didn't want the punishment. So we know that it probably wasn't just two years and younger and only boys. It probably would have been a lot of girls and those that maybe were a little bit older. The last thing they wanted to do was go back and say, we missed one. And so here's the craziness of life is how how do we put that into our box? How do we say, God, it's your plan? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. God was never knocked off of his throne. God was never taken back and said, I don't know what to do. I know that in the midst of tragedy, in horrific pain, in death, what we know is that salvation came to us through the birth of his son. 
And so we don't have to figure it out. Why? Because faith is saying, God, I trust you. I don't understand when bad things are happening to good people. But I do know this, that you are still God, you are still good, and you can do whatever you want to do in my life. And then if you fast forward to the crucifixion of Jesus Think about what takes place. Highly favored, this woman that God has, has, has blessed with his very son at the very end of his life, 33 years later. Think about the randomness of this. He is crucified. So we look at the story now in hindsight, and it's the greatest thing that could ever happen. Why? Because salvation came to all mankind because of this sacrifice. But think about this Mary, the mother of Jesus, the disciples looking at Jesus as he is crucified on the cross. And the Romans, they were experts in torture. They would make you suffer till the very last drop so that the criminals would be assigned to everybody else to follow their Roman rule. Think about that. Man, the, the brutality of what would take place at that moment. Think about this to Mary and to the disciples. It's just another senseless act of Roman violence. How does that fit into God's picture? You, 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 we look at, had God lost control? No, God hasn't lost control. In fact, this was at the very epicenter of God's plan to rescue humanity. That it was at the apex of his design that Jesus, after he would die, would go into hell, take back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And because of that, salvation would come to all mankind. Randomness doesn't mean it's without purpose. Doesn't mean that it's without purpose. That us as believers, we can say, no matter what's happening in my life, listen, it's not that it's without purpose. That I believe and know that, God, your will will be done in my life. Paul would actually pin this 25 years later. And in hindsight, he would look back. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. It says, in him... We were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything. Who's him? God. He works it all out. We may not understand it, but he works it out in conformity with the purpose of his will. So here's the big takeaway today. Here's the big thing that I, in my life, have come to realize, and as your pastor, it's not that perfect faith is faith that moves God. See, perfect faith... In, it's not perfect faith that moves God. It's awesome when God moves on our behalf. Perfect faith is faith that trusts God even when he doesn't seem to be moving. The God, I don't understand. God, I, you know, in the conception sometimes of Christian faith and walk, and this is what I want to break is that paradigm that I must have messed up. Like, life's getting tough. I mean, think about it. Maybe you're having the worst problems in your marriage that you've ever had. You've been married for 15, 20 years. You're like, man, I thought we were good. And now all these things begin to happen in your life. And, and so what can tend to attack our hearts in this Christmas season is, man, I must have messed up something. you know. And, and though there may be some things you can do to fix it, I want you to know this. Even if you feel like God has left, maybe you don't feel like he's in your marriage. Maybe you don't feel like he's in your life. You haven't heard from him. You can't feel him. You can't sense him. It's not that you've done something wrong. Sometimes we walk through those quiet years, those quiet months, those quiet days, and it's God just saying, listen, believe, I, I, I got you. Turn back to me. 
I got you. I, I'm in the middle of it. Come on, just, just come on back to me. And, and what we understand is that in the midst of trials, in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of tough times in our life, though they seem random, can I tell you this morning, God has not left you. You may not be able to figure it all out on this side of eternity. You may not be able to put it in our little perfect box in our mind and in our heads. But I can tell you this, God loves you. That as we celebrate this Christmas season, we're celebrating the birth of our Savior. That in the randomness of what life brings us, He loves you. He has a plan for you that you keep moving towards God. Don't allow things to make you bitter. Say, God, I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to get better. God, I don't understand, but I know you do. God, it seems hopeless, but you're the God of hope. God, that in this season, I'm going to be the salt and the light to the world around me. Christianity is not always easy. And I, I felt this, you know, I've been, I've been really working this message inside of me for over a month. And you know what I felt like the Lord said? That I am the God of hope. That some of you came in here feeling like God had abandoned you. Can I tell you? God hasn't abandoned you. This Christmas season. See, when you believe like that, you begin to turn your faith away from Christmas. And you say, well, no, I don't even know if I believe. It's okay for you to question God. I'll tell you, I, I think it's amazing that people can come to our church as skeptics. That they can come to this church. We have Muslims come to this church. We have atheists come to this church. We have agnostics come to this church. This is what I love. Come on into this place. You do not have to believe to belong. Why? Because God is bigger than our doubt. He's not afraid of people questioning Him in Christmas. He's in the middle of it. And I promise you this, when you pursue God, when you look for God and say, God, are you real? I remember that night, man, God saved me. I wasn't in a church service. Strung out on drugs. Felt the presence of God in my house. Most of you know this story. I don't know who this is for. Messed up, been up for days, wasn't looking for God, had no thought of God. And all of a sudden, I'll never forget, I was in my bathroom. Presence of God just showing right there. People say, oh, you messed up. No, I'm telling you, God said, oh, you met, that's some good stuff. No, no, listen, God is in this place. How I many you know that your, your, your friend that's high starts talking about God? It wasn't talk about God. God was in that place. Ran everybody out. And in that moment, Phyllis and I, we cried out to God, God, if you're in. For five hours, from 1230 at night till 530 in the morning, February 7th, 2003 I had a visitation from God why? because there's hope He loves you and I know this and I don't man I just feel like God is there's a world out there that needs that hope and I'm believing with you that in this season the randomness of life that you'll have an encouraged heart that says, God, I don't understand, but I can encourage others. I know I can lead them to you. See, I don't always have the answers, but I know where to send them. God, you just, you talk to them. 
Let me pray with you. Let me spend time with you. And I believe in this. There are some of you, and I just, I feel the presence of God. Right. Some of you are going to have your relationships restored this Christmas. I just believe that. Thank you.